Hello, Malcolm here, and welcome to class three of the series called Finding the Father's Face, the series for the men of the Watford Church in 2022. I'm not going to go into the details of the background of this, that's in the earlier classes. So today we'll just get straight on by diving back into the Lord's Prayer as Jesus shows us some more aspects of the nature of who our Father God is and how Jesus relates to him and thereby how we can develop our relationship with our Father God. So in this Lord's Prayer, a great teaching on prayer, but also perhaps even more significantly than prayer in some ways, revealing to us parts of who Jesus knew Father God to be. We've already talked about our Father in the heavenlies, so he's nearby, that hallowed be your name, that he is holy. And this week, the next phrase, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in the heavenlies. And this aspect of the nature of our Father God is that he is powerful. He is powerful. He has a kingdom. If he has a kingdom, he is a king. If he's a king, he is powerful. So our Father God is powerful. He's king of kings and cannot be thwarted. So what does it mean that our Father God is powerful? This is something we explored in our discussion last night, which is a very, very rich discussion uh, with the chaps there. I really enjoyed it, learned so much. Um, and I can't re reproduce all of that here, of course. But I'll give you some of the basics of what we discussed. So first of all, defining powerful. In the book, The Possibility of Prayer, John Stark says this, when the Bible seeks to explain God's holiness, it says that God is a consuming fire. So God's holiness and his powerfulness go together. And in particular with this image of consuming fire in the Old Testament, at least we could say, uh, in Exodus 24, Deuteronomy chapter 4, the Israelites, to the Israelites, the glory of the Lord looked like a consuming fire on top of the mountain. Or the Lord, our, your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God, our God is a consuming fire, or refining fire, as somebody pointed out last night. That's repeated in Hebrews uh, chapter 12, that whole idea. So God's powerful. He's a refining fire. He's a consuming fire. Some of that might be a little bit scary. Some of that might be, though, quite reassuring. If God can is powerful and is a consuming and refining fire, then he is able to refine away the darkness, the evil, the hurts, the, all the things that aren't pure in a way that you and I can't. So we, do, we rely on his power because he has the power to deal with the things you and I cannot. Why does it matter? And why does it matter that we pray these things, that your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in the heavenlies? Isn't God already powerful? Why do we pray for this? He is, perhaps one way to look at it is, he is king of kings, but not everybody knows it. He has uh, He has that kingship, but not everybody has seen it yet. And so part of what we're praying there, I think, is for God to empower us to live the kingdom values, to live in a kingdom way that reveals the will of God to be done in our lives and in our com community of Christians. And then the world will know. And I wonder whether, although we're skipping ahead a little bit here into verse 11, whether that prayer, give us today our daily bread, is at least in part a response to what we just prayed in the previous section here, for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done. Because if it is going to be done, it's going to be done through me, through you. And we're going to need help with that. So perhaps part of the give me my daily bread is not about the physical food I'm going to eat. Could be, but more than that, I think. It's about God enable me. Enable me to play my part in seeing this prayer of mine come to fruition, that I can live the kingdom, that I can do your will. Give me the strength for that. Give me that, the bread I need for that. 
then God's power is made more manifest as we are transformed into his likeness and the likeness of Christ, something else we talked about last night. One of the also wonderful things about the power here that we're dealing with is the fact that Jesus, or the fact that God didn't hold on to his power for his own well-being, if you like. Uh, in Jesus, he gives it up. Uh, God is powerful enough to become vulnerable that doesn't then threaten him. So when I become vulnerable, I feel threatened by those with power around me. But of course, God being ultimate power can make himself vulnerable without losing his power, without becoming insecure, you could say. Jesus became, and uh, uh, God became enfleshed in Christ, becoming vulnerable in, to experience all the difficulties of our world and ultimately die on the cross, becoming weak so that we can access God's strength through his spirit to become more like Christ and to reveal the kingdom and God's will in the way that we live. So how do you feel? One of the questions we talked about last night is, um, how do you feel about God's power? Do you sense that God's powerful nature is a good thing or a bad thing? I don't mean morally. I mean in the way that it affects your relationship with Father God. Is the power of God intimidating or is it something that's inspiring? Of course, the powerful nature of Father God didn't um, create a problem for Jesus. Therefore, we can model ourselves after him and his relationship with Father God and, and find that to be a benefit. We also know, as we talked earlier, that God uses his power for our benefit. Jesus coming to this earth, Philippians chapter 2, the first, uh, what, 8 to 10 verses. If you want to review that, he gives up his privileges so that he can, in his vulnerability, reveal more of Father God to us. Is there a way of understanding Father God's power that can help us to have a healthy and close personal relationship with him? John Stark, again, in his book, The Possibility of Prayer, says this, so terrifying and attractive. He's talking about Father God. He's so terrifying and attractive, so immense and so wonderful. That's who God is. And putting it together is one of those things that I think we, as we grow in the Christian life, we learn better how to put together these, I wouldn't say they're opposites, but different aspects of God which are so hard to reconcile for us humans, his immensity and power with his desire for intimacy and love with us, putting that together. And I would submit that our prayer times and uh, uh, as we uh, spend time with God in prayer, our prayer times are, are enhanced and helped by not, not neglecting either side of these things. If we simply see God as some kind of uh, buddy, um, but don't, uh, contemplate and pray about his power, we lose something, don't we? But on the other hand, if we're only focused on God's power and immensity, we lose something of that intimacy. So putting those things together, it's, it's something we grow into. How do we grow into it? By talking about it, right? By studying the scriptures, praying and discussing with one another. Uh, let me read you this excerpt from a book. Uh, I didn't have it in my notes, but I took this with me last night and I read it to the chaps. And uh, it's something that's, that's really stuck with me the last few days. I've been reading this other book called The Possibility of Prayer that I mentioned earlier. And in one of the chapters uh, entitled, I think, The Impossibility of Prayer, as in, why would God pay attention to us? We're such a speck of a speck. Um, and he talks here about the Crab Nebula. I don't know if you've heard of the Crab Nebula, but it's out there in space. And it, um, let me find the right page here. Yes, it's um, an exploding star about 4,200 light years away. 
and uh, it first became visible to the Earth in uh, 1054. It's been it's so bright you can see it in the daytime. A thousand years later, that star is still exploding. What has what explodes for a thousand years? He asks. What has the density and size to keep up this pace? Uh, photograph. It, it looks so slow. The development of the explosion of the Crab Nebula, at least in terms of the way that telescopes can see it. Photographs taken 15 years ago don't look much different to the ones that will be taken today. But the Crab Nebula is expanding at the rate of, try and get this in your head, at the rate of 70 million miles a day. It's expanding at 70 million miles a day. And it's been doing that for thousands of years every day. So we're in a universe where something that's increased in size by over a billion miles wide over a 15-year period, just 15 years, goes unnoticed. Who even knows it's there? Not very many. The Crab Nebula is expanding in an extraordinary way. And, and th this is going on where most people won't ever see it. As he says, the Crab Nebula is constantly a constantly expanding firework that lights up whole corners of the universe. And for hundreds of years, Anyone conscious enough to give attention has not given it much, much attention at all. Uh, we are it just, it, it, we are connected to a God of power that's really hard for us to grasp what that means. So with that in mind, knowing that this is a reality, that our God is that powerful, and of course, Crab Nebula is one of many such things in the universe, Knowing he's that powerful, and yet knowing he wants a relationship with you and I, how do we hold this intimacy and power together? So some questions for prayer and discussion. If Father God is this powerful, what does it mean to you? What does it mean that he's powerful? And if he's that powerful, how can you and I become more aware of that reality, of his power? And if he's that powerful, how can we enjoy his power? We went on last night to talk a little bit about that, what that means for us as fathers of our children. So what does it mean that we are powerful to our children? How can we help our children to be more aware of our power? Now, a healthy power, not an oppressive power, but a power used in benevolence for our children in the same way that God uses his power for the benevolence of us. And what can we do so that our children enjoy our power, find it to be helpful? In other words, not manipulative, as we talked about last night not manipulative and not a power that is manipulated by our own ego nor is it a manipulatable power by our children they can't manipulate us either so how do we navigate that bit of a minefield in learning how to be powerful fathers but not in a way that that breaks the spirit of our children or overrides their own free will they have to make their own decisions about many things especially as they get older and how does that transition go from when they're very young to when they are um, really young adults and then perhaps haven't even have even left the uh, the nest? So I wonder what you think about this. I'm going to stop there for now. I hope that's been interesting to you. Our Father God is powerful. He's king. He's a king. Uh, uh, there is no comparison. And yet he also wants to know you and me. And he sent Jesus to convince us of that. So. I wonder what this does to your relationship with Father God. Let me know. Next time, we're going to go on to the next part of the Lord's Prayer and talk about the fact that Father God is caring. We'll do that in a couple of weeks. Until then, I hope you have a, a wonderful day. I hope you do find 
the father's face and that you do find that he is powerful and loving. Until the next time, take care. God bless. <laughs>